what is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast, right here on SB Nation. Len Martez is my co-host, but I'm going to go to him first today. I'm Trey Downey. You can follow me on Twitter at TD Experience, by the way. But you can follow Len on Twitter at Elmar810, BucksNation.com, as always. But I typically introduce you as uh, Len Martez on these shows. But today, I think that I might have to start calling you Lenny Green because the Bucks are who you thought they were, and I've been trying to let them off the hook all season. No need to give me any particular names. It's just <laughs> just what I see, man. And I'm not alone. A lot of folks have the same uh, assumption regarding the Bucs, and it's the fact that this team is, a, if they're lucky, a one-and-done playoff team this year. Let's go back to the loss against the Cleveland Browns. I and- see the big picture. <laughs> You're going to talk about all, all the little, little itty-bitty things, but I see the big picture. And the big picture was early September, a Super Bowl run. <laughs> We're in early December. <laughs> it is a playoff crawl, baby. <laughs> okay, so before we before we get into the loss against the Browns, the overtime loss on Thanksgiving weekend, I want to ask you, you said early September Bucks Super Bowl run. They start the season by beating the Dallas Cowboys, who now proved to be one of the better teams in the NFC. When did it turn for you, for for the Bucs? Was there a particular game? Was it a loss to Carolina? What? Where was it where you started to think that maybe this team doesn't really have a chance of reaching the goals, which and what could possibly be Tom Brady's last season as Super Bowl or bust? It's a good question, but I'll say – you know, you mentioned the Carolina game. I'll even go further back. The Pittsburgh game, too. There were there were signs. And look, for a lot of folks, Buck fans, they'll, they'll point to even the slow start against New Orleans and struggling to score points in that game. But settle down, all right? It's week two. All right, that's, that's the first thing. And then some folks might even point to the Kansas City game, and I, I and I'll give I'll give them a mulligan on that game because it's the Chiefs who, as it is looks like now, arguably the best team in the AFC, if not in football. So, again, folks will point to those early season losses and or early season games and say, "Oh, well, we we saw signs way back in September." No, dude, a lot of folks struggle in September. A lot of teams struggle in September. The cream rises to the top late November, as all the coaches will tell you, quality coaches will tell you, Thanksgiving on is when the cream rises to the top. Problem with the Bucs is, bro, there's no cream. <laughs> there ain't no cream. <laughs> That's the problem. There ain't nothing rising to the top, man. And for each of the losses I mentioned earlier, Pittsburgh, Carolina, startling things that stuck out. This game in particular against the Browns, I know you want to get into it, but I'll just, I'll just say this much. The Carolina game, the Pittsburgh game, was surprising because of the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh game. Trubisky came in and did what he did. He didn't even start the game. Third quarter comes in, 
off the bench, played as well as he did. Third down, conversions, all that. Then the next week, dude, the Carolina loss against P.J. Walker. And that game, that game was never in doubt. That was Carolina's game from the start. Not to mention the fact that how they ran the football. So the Bucs have found different ways to lose. And on Sunday, they found a new way. Not just in overtime. Not just a lack of clock management, which has been a big conversation. Here's the thing. The Cleveland Browns came into that game just allowing teams to score 30 points like it was just like running water. All right? Allowing teams to run their football against them. Six of the last seven games, they had lost before that overtime win against the Bucs. In, in four of those six losses, they gave up 30 points. Not only that, when it came to teams running the football, we're talking about teams that had uh, over 170-plus yards, 195-plus yards, over 200 yards rushing in those losses, okay, with the exception of one game. In those six of the seven losses, those six losses in seven games, they gave up over 170 yards rushing, two teams. Only one loss against the Bills. They gave up 98 yards rushing. Why? Because the Bills don't run the football. So the Bucs have found a new way to lose, and they did it on Sunday. You know how they found this new way? By not taking advantage of what teams can't do. The Browns could not stop the run the previous six losses. And on Sunday against the Bucs, somehow they were able to stop the run. Why? Because it was the Bucs, dude. Now, what, what is the most concerning part for you of that loss? Where the Bucs coming off of what was actually one of their better performances of the season, beating a Seattle team in Germany. You know, you get back to 500, you go on your bye week, you come back, you play a team with a losing record who you mentioned was not going through a very good stretch of their own, and you lose to them. Was it a bigger factor to you, the the end-of-game stretch, the clock management, the overtime, how things went there, that the Bucs found a way to lose there, or the fact that, Cleveland was in the game throughout. Cleveland was in the game throughout. This game should not have been close. I just told you about how the Browns, how badly the Browns had played in six of the last seven games in their losses. All right. You're talking about a team that was three and seven coming into the football game. This was, to, in my eyes, the equivalent of losing to the, to the Carolina Panthers. The only difference was uh, hold on. Cleveland's a more let talented. Me, let team. me finish. The point is. As far as the as far as the quarterback's concerned, Jacoby Brissett, okay, a slight step up from PJ Walker. He's still Jacoby Brissett. That's number one. Number two is you look on both sides of the football. The Panthers have defense defenders like Brian Burns, a good one, and they, and they got and they got one in Cleveland and Miles Garrett. The only difference is is the level of the running attack. Of the Browns. Chubb, that's it. Foreman's a good one. He's certainly a good one. And I and trust me, he's he's taking that job in, in Carolina and it's his job now. But he's not Nick Chubb. That's the only difference. And I'll say it again. <laughs> well, dude, 160 yards, 
172 yards, 195 yards, 220 yards. That's not passing yards. Those are rushing yards that the Browns gave up before the game on Sunday. Your game plan should have been whomever, white left, white right, white in the middle. You want to run Keyshawn Vaughn? Okay, run Keyshawn Vaughn. I don't care. Hell, bring back Doug Martin. Hey, Cadillac Williams got a little time on his hands for Sundays. He's coaching on Saturdays. He can come out and play for you on Sunday. He could have probably got 100 yards if he ran the ball on Sunday. But they didn't run it. That's the problem. And the game should have been close. And that's why we can talk about the clock manager. We can talk about the issues they had in their final seven possessions where they didn't score either. We can talk about all that. The problem is the game should have not came down to the fourth quarter. The game should have not came down to overtime. That game should have been done when the 15 started in the fourth quarter when it said one five zero zero on the clock for the start of the fourth quarter. The game should have been decided already. I'm with you on that, but let's talk about the clock management and Todd Bowles' subsequent excuse for uh, the lack of clock management at the end of the game where he does not call a timeout when the Bucs, you know, have a short gain on first down. And his excuse is you don't want Tom Brady to throw an interception and give the team a chance to win before going to overtime. Tom Brady's play has been criticized, rightly so this season, but the one thing Tom hasn't done is throw interceptions. He's got two this entire year. Tom Brady, probably the greatest, he's the greatest quarterback of all time, but definitely I think the greatest quarterback of all time in clutch situations. And you say you don't call a timeout because you're afraid Tom Brady is going to throw an interception? At this point, I don't know if Todd Bowles is built to be a head coach in the NFL when you're making decisions and you're offering excuses up like that. Well, <laughs> you can you can buy a lot of things <laughs> these days. <laughs> they might be they might be inflated when it comes to the price of the thing. But you know what I'm not buying? I'm not buying any of that. I'm not buying any of the excuses in regards or or the the um the ways of explaining why the clock or lack of clock management happened. I'm so was it just it. a brain was it just a brain fart? Hey, it happens, dude. It happens. And here's the thing. I don't know what would have been worse. As, like as, it, as, it, it slipping his mind or that that actually went through his mind, the interception thing. No, as badly as badly as that clock management was, here's the kicker to all that. I don't know what else Todd Bowles was involved in at that standpoint. It's a lot going on in a football game. But I know what a lot of folks that were watching that game, Bucks fans were doing. <laughs> they were doing this. And I'm giving you the gesture of calling a timeout. Okay, we were not totally involved in everything that Todd Bowles was doing. We certainly weren't doing that. And I won't I won't profess to be a head coach at any level at any level. Okay, but I can tell you this much sitting on my couch watching the game. I knew somebody should have been calling the timeout. 
somebody should have been calling the timeout. Not to mention the fact that, as I already just mentioned, they had gone back to back to back to back to back possessions without scoring. Okay? It wasn't about passes that got dropped for potential interceptions. It wasn't that Tom Neely threw a pick. It wasn't that. That should not have been an excuse. They were not moving the football. <laughs> Bottom line. So, dude, find a way to juice, juice the offense up. Okay? Put some life into the offense. Do something to where you're not doing the same thing in every possession in the second half, which is not score. Are we in a situation where throughout the rest of the course of the season and the playoffs that Todd Bowles has to save his job? Or are we still in a scenario where things would have to go downhill even further for him to lose his job? Oh, no. I mean, I can't tell you. I won't go that far in regards to things can't get any worse. Because they can. They most certainly can. I mean, this this team's five and six. They could end up eight and nine, not be 500, and struggle to win a division at eight and nine. You know how bad that would look if that were to be the case? I mean, you can talk about you can talk about all the things that have happened to this team in regards to the injuries are concerned and losing Ryan Jensen as early as they did the season started. But dude, anybody that anybody that wants to have those excuses, you know what everybody else is doing? <laughs> Winning football games. <laughs> Winning football games with the depth chart, dude. Teams lose players. Look at Buffalo's secondary been completely depleted adjust, all man. season yeah you gotta you gotta adjust and and this is a this is a testament of of the whole front office when it comes to the depth shot and i'm not telling you they didn't do a good job i'm just telling you that when it comes to when it comes to having a team overcome those injuries it's on the front office of giving giving the coaching staff the players they need, the depth they need. You always hear that, man. I've heard that since first started covering football NFL teams. O-line depth chart. O-line depth. Huge. Every year it factors into teams. Factors into teams. And now you're gonna find out even more. No Tristan Wurfs. Is so it, at this at this stage of the season, it, like if I'm giving you odds for who's the head coach of the Buccaneers in 2024, are you still taking bowls or are you taking the field? 2023? Or 2023, yes. 2023 and 2024 season, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have, I don't have a, I mean, you say bowls and, or anybody else. I mean, this ain't Tiger Woods playing golf, the homeboy. No, no, no. I'm like, does talk right now, like, in what in what scenario is he not the co- like? Do the Bucks have to win a playoff game for him to still be the coach? He has because to it, look like a competent coach. You can't have you, this. You can't have the, this look. It is a re, it is a real thing that he could be one and done in Tampa. 
if that's a real, yeah. yeah, okay. I, I just said it. It, 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 I just said, I don't want to say, I don't want to say it can get worse, but it most certainly can get worse. And if it does get worse, yes, he will be one and done. And see, again, I, I'll say it again. Optics, man. Okay, you can't look like that. You can't look like like they looked on Sunday. Can't look like that. You can't be that inept in that second half and go seven possessions, your seven final possessions, not score. All right. Give up that game-winning touchdown against that team that was three and seven coming into the football game that lost six or seven games. And then on top of that, have the comments and the post-game press conference, okay, where you have the lack of time management. You can't have all those things, dude, and then expect to be a head coach in the NFL because losing's enough. Losing to bad teams is enough. Which the Bucks <laughs> have done a lot of this year. Losing to bad teams and looking inept is enough. Losing to bad teams, looking inept, and then time management issues. I ain't done. Losing, losing to bad teams, being inept, time management issues, and then the post-game press conference failure. That's five things, dude. With Trist, with the injury to Tristan Wirfs, where that could have been worse than than it is by the by the looks of it, right now it looks like Tristan Wirfs, theoretically, about a month or so could be back with this football team for a playoff game if the Bucks were to win the NFC South. But that's a big loss with where's the stress. Jensen, by the way, which what 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 was that? Was that at? Yeah, don't know. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I mean, maybe we're we're in a scenario where that's where that's what we're clinging to. If the Bucks are able to somehow win the NFC South, man, they're getting Jensen and Wirfs back. Maybe they can beat the Cowboys on Wild Card Weekend. They already beat the Cowboys. Maybe yeah. they can do it again. Okay. But I think I think the prize in the NFC right now is getting that first Wild Card and playing the Bucks in the first round of the playoffs, as opposed to. The Bucks being a dangerous team in the playoffs. Now, I can foresee a scenario. You look at the rest of the Bucks' schedule. They play all three divisional opponents one more time, starting with this Monday night football against, against the New Orleans Saints. And then you've also got two very good football teams in the San Francisco 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals on the schedule. The Bengals really, really hitting their stride, in my opinion. And then you've got – and then you play the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona – on Christmas night. Theoretically, theoretically, this Bucks team could go four and two, finish nine and eight, win the division, and go into the playoffs on a three-game win streak. And people would be like, oh man, these 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 Bucks are these Bucks are dangerous. They they should be the favorite to win on wild card weekend. But with everything that you've seen this season, I I don't know what it would take for me to be able to get back that faith in this football team. And I mean, even if you beat those bad teams and you still lose 
to the good ones in Cincinnati and San Francisco. We were talking last week. We were going back and forth. I'm like, Lynn, what's it going to take to you for you to start to believe in this football team? Who are they going to have to beat for you to start to believe? And you mentioned that game coming up against San Francisco. You mentioned that wins against Cleveland and New Orleans in the next two weeks weren't necessarily going to do it. And then they go and lose to Cleveland. So I don't even know if if four and two is possible for this football team. Okay, good. I am not you discounting. You fought. You fought. Yeah. You finally said something I I, yeah. I I can I can actually agree with. I'm not all, discount- that, all that other stuff is all that other stuff is rambling. You talk yeah, about I, I, you talk about the three. They still have to play the three teams in their own in their own division. Okay, and they lost to the worst one. <laughs> Earlier this year. <laughs> and they only have a one-game advantage in the win column on all three of them. So there is, there's a scenario where the Bucks don't win this division. And yeah. I, before, before yeah. last and week, there's I your one and done. There's your one and done, okay? There's yeah. your, there's your yeah. one and done. They don't win a division. They don't win a division. <laughs> you are going to... Oh, he's probably not going to retire. Let's get that out. First off, that dude... That dude ain't going out with, with his last year being in Tampa Bay and not making the playoffs. I want to ask you a question about his future in a minute. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, let's get that out there. Okay. Uh-huh. That dude is not spending his last year in Tampa Bay, not making the playoffs and go, oh, I'm going to retire now, go to Fox. Not happening. That won't be his, that won't be his last hurrah. That's number one. Number two is the idea of that happening, him spending all that time in New England. Making the playoffs every year, <laughs> going to that, going to the Super Bowl every other year, okay, every other year, going to a Super Bowl, right? M- minus a year, two here, or there. You go to ten, you spend twenty years, twenty-one years somewhere. It's every other year, <laughs> all right. Forty-nine percent as opposed to fifty percent. Okay, fine. Bottom line is. Nearly every other year, he's been to the Super Bowl. All right. Then he comes here. And you want him to end his career with a team under 500 and not make the playoffs? That's not happening, dude. That dude's not – he's not leaving the game with that. And mind you, he may not be playing his best football, but he's got a lot more left than a lot of things that are going on on his football team. He's got a lot more. He's got a lot more ability than the guys that he's playing with, dude. He does. You're convinced. You're convinced that he does. That he does come back because I like I can oh, for, again. I can foresee a scenario. This is not gonna be with, his last year, dude. But I think that there's like. I think that maybe there's since he retired this past off season, which we can, I mean, you can delve into what the implication, why he actually retired all of that, what was going on in his personal life. But I, it, I think there's gotta be a tinge of doubt in the back of his mind, like saying like, should I have not come back for, for this? Cause there's a scenario where next season it gets even, it gets even worse than what it is this year. That, that, that doubt lasts that long he he's got football all right he's got his kids but it's not family anymore and that's not the knock what's going on in his life god bless him i salute best to him but he's got football dude and he's got those kids 
But he's wait, not, he's not he's not going he's not going out like this. I I'll be shocked if he retires with this year being the way it is. And here's another thing when it comes to this team. Because when you spoke about, oh, let's go four and two. Dude, this team is a, this team is 500 at best. Okay, obviously they won't finish 500 because you play an odd number of games. But this team is 500 at best. They will not fin- finish no better than nine and eight. Mark and that's what, we, that's what it would take to go four and two. Like, okay. That- they will again. They will not finish any better than that. But if they go three and three, you know what that means? They're under five hundred, dude. Okay. They could still win the division. They could win the divisional game. Not the point. Yeah, I know. That's not the point. The point is, you went eight and nine, okay, and Todd Bowles was first year, and Tom Brady's supposed last year. That's the point. You went from being a team that could. Now, over and under was 10 and a half, 11, to win in eight games and potentially not winning your own division in a weak NFC South, in a weak NFC Conference. You don't even get a wild card, dude. Come on, man. So the latest story to pop up surrounding Tom Brady, the latest speculation is from The Athletic. And the possibility has been floated of Tom Brady returning to New England for one last hurrah next year in 20. Okay, so tell me why. Because he's going to go out west, man. He's going to be with his fam. San Francisco? Yep. Okay. I, to me, the... My, my prediction is somewhere out west. Maybe he goes to Vegas. I don't know. But I, but I think, I think this time reunite with Josh McDaniels. That makes more sense than Matt Patricia, who was getting yelled at by Matt hey man, Jones. Why, 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 would that, why would that dude go back to New England after ha- after having what he had for twenty plus years there? I don't. I mean, I look and look at what the roster is right now. In crazy things weapons. have happened. Crazy things have happened. He ended up here. I understand that. But but my my thinking is is that he's at a, he's at a time and place now. One in his football career. And two, in his in his own personal life, where he wants family and he wants to be close to family. And I'm talking about his immediate family. I'm talking about his mom. I'm talking about his dad. I'm talking about you know his, his siblings out 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 in, in in California, San Francisco, or be closer to them in Vegas, where he's you know where he's a short flight away from from being with them. And he he can have his kids out there. He can, his kids can be raised in where he was raised. I mean, and then he can you know potentially play for the for his childhood favorite team and, and do what his, his idol wasn't able to do and retire as a 49er. When I'm talking about, I'm talking about Joe, Joe Montana. I mean, all those things are just something that I, again, just speculation, but it, it just, it is, it ties in neatly as opposed to the idea of him going back to New England. Now, could I be wrong about him going back to New England? Of course, because like I said, stranger things have happened, but I would bet, I'd bet my money, on San Francisco happening before I would bet on New England. What are the keys to the Bucks getting back, uh, getting back on track and beating the New Orleans Saints on Monday night? A team that gives them headaches defensively, and now you're without your best offensive lineman going into this game as well. Well, here's here's the reality. All right, it was the last time we saw this team here, the last time we saw the New Orleans Saints here. They pitched a shutout on a Sunday night game, right? Nine nothing, and you know Monday night's it's going to be prime time. 
you know, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will be in town. But the reality is, is that game's not going to be any prettier. I'm not telling you the Bucks are going to get going to get shut out, but from a point standpoint, there won't be a whole lot of points scored in this, fo- this football game. From either side, neither Let's side. Over under is in this. It, it doesn't matter. Twenty. Doesn't. I'm being. I'm being sarcastic. No, but no, the, I know. But I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to. I'm talking to Bucks Nation. <laughs> Bucks Nation. We are the nation of domination. Forty and a half. So Lynn Martez says, "Take the under." Damn right, that. take the under. They, um, come on, man. <laughs> Two. Both teams scoring in the twenties. That ain't happening. Have you watched? Have you watched? Have you watched the Saints' offense this year? Have you watched the Bucks' offense this year? Did you did you, did you forget the conversation we had? <laughs> previously i mean part of the conversation where i told you how bad the browns were about stopping the run giving up 230 yards in a game 220 yards in another game and the 160 and 195 and 170 and they couldn't run against that team they're not going to run it on, on monday night either so i mean we haven't we haven't talked about it because the bucks haven't played the saints since since early in the season james winston goes down in that game with with the back injury, it was said that he had a basically a broken back going into that game. A lot has been said and circled around Jameis Winston in, in recent weeks. Uh, him saying that he's hurt because he lost his job due to injury. That Andy Dalton being the, the starting quarterback of the New Orleans Saints now. Lynn, what's, what's your take on how everything has, has played out with the Jameis Winston situation in New Orleans this season. They're not trying to win. They're not trying to win. So you think that's why that's why Jameis isn't isn't playing? They don't it's you don't think that they think Andy Dalton is the better option? No, he's not the better quarterback. I'm not telling you Jameis is, you know, all all pro. He's not he's not Tyrod Taylor, but he's that's a joke by the way, Bucks Nation, because Trey Down is a huge Tyrod Taylor fan. <laughs> we'll go to the grave with Tyrod Taylor made the Pro Bowl. But my point, but my point is the fact that Jameis is better than Andy Dalton. And he's better for this football team than Andy Dalton. And he's performed better than Andy Dalton on this football team. Whether it be last year before he got hurt, or even this year, he's performed better. He's a better quarterback. But they're not trying to win, dude. Did not. So you think they're trying? They're trying to tank, and that's why they're not playing. You can use that game. word if you want to. They ain't trying to win. If they're, if they're playing Andy, if Andy Dalton's starting for your football team, and your quarterback is healthy, you're not trying to win. He's not that's... a winning quarterback in the NFL, dude. He's oh man, he's not a number one. He's not a number one quarterback. I mean, he has more. He has more history. He has more of a history of success of winning. Than Jameis does. I'm just, and the only reason I say that is because okay, he, you, you he mentioned had, he had, he's not a winning he, quarterback. Yeah, yeah. How long? I mean, my, my, but Jameis Winston is Jameis Winston. Montez Burfick was still in the league when Andy Dalton is, was winning football it, games. But okay? you said Andy Dalton is not a winning quarterback in this in this league. Neither in the James most recent few, in the most recent past, he. I but mean, neither you want to go back to Marvin Lewis too? I mean, we want to go back to Carson Palmer. But I'm saying neither is Jameis. Jameis isn't a winning quarterback in the NFL either. Oh, okay. But his again, I'll tell you again, and I just said it 90 seconds ago. 
He's performed better in a Saints uniform than Andy Dalton has. He has won more games in a Saints uniform than Andy Dalton has. All right? He's done what they wanted him to do last year before he got hurt. Last year before they before he got hurt, the idea was they were going to battle the Bucks for the NFC South. Hello? Okay. What were they four, what were they 4 and 2 when he got hurt last year? And Something like that. The point being is you're not doing that Okay, you're not doing that if you don't think that's the quarterback that can do it. Okay, they had that much. They had that much faith in James to think we can win with this guy, man. Now, whether or not they pulled him back, pulled the reins, whether they dummied it down, you can throw all those things out there and say that. That's fine. He certainly wasn't risk it or biscuit, you know, the, the way he was here in Tampa Bay. But the bottom line was he was winning football games. Andy Dalton is not that dude in 2022. It's going to be very interesting to see how the rest of this NFC South season plays out because we're talking about the Bucs possibly not winning the division and the Bucs quarterback is Tom Brady. The Saints quarterback is Andy Dalton. Right now, the Panthers quarterback is Sam Darnold and the Atlanta Falcons quarterback is Marcus Mariota. And the Bucks only have one more win than the team they're playing on Monday night. It's, you know it's what, just man? mind-boggling. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna take this on my shoulders, and I'll take, uh, and I, and I'll take it because I said it. But when this season started, I said that the Atlanta Falcons had one of the worst quarterback situations in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Bottom three. Worse, because that Mariota, and I'll say it again. Mariota. You did, you did, because I I challenged you on a couple other and others, and you were like, "Nope, it's Atlanta." And now these fools might turn around and win a division because imagine the Bucks, because the Bucks are stinking it up. Imagine that game, second January eighth, Bucks and Falcons, Sunday night football. Winner goes on. Yeah. Loser goes home. Tom Brady. Marcus Mariota. Todd Bowles coaching for his life. Sad. What a difference. What a difference a few years makes. Hopefully when we talk to you next, we're talking about maybe I'll be optimistic about the Bucs again as they head into a game against the San Francisco 49ers. You drink that Kool-Aid if you want. (laughs) You drink that Kool-Aid if you want, bro. You go right ahead. I've been... I've been at, trying to tell at, you. At this point, it's going to take the Bucks winning the next three games. If you beat New, if you beat New Orleans and then you go and you beat San Francisco and then you and you beat Cincinnati too, then maybe I'll start to drink it. But other than that, oh I, please, you'll be you bathing in the, it then. You'll be bathing in it then. Side. It'll be behind. You'll be putting your finger in it and putting it behind your ears like cologne. Please. <laughs> Uh, let's let's hope we get to that point for both of no us. No, the though. hell we don't. I want to see you putting Kool Aid in the back of your ears. Oh, <laughs> uh, like I said, hopefully by the time we're talking to you next week, we're talking about a Bucks win and then gearing up to shock the world and beat the San Francisco Forty ers Until next week, he has been Lem Martez. You can follow him on Twitter at lmart eight ten. Check out BucksNation.com for the latest and greatest on your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I am Trey Downey. You can follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. Until we talk to you next time, this has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast.